Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Again, fellow basement dwellers, it's your good pal Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds, a part of the Chairshot Media family on thechairshot.com. We got a great episode for you today. We're going to talk about The Boys Episode 3, uh, an awesome uh, gaming con opportunity that Dave shared with us over the interwebs during the week. The PlayStation 5 news there's tons of news well i don't know tons of news it seems like there's some news uh more people seem interested in the look than actually what it could do and we're gonna talk a little bill of ted's face the music and then for the second half of the show uh our good friend christopher platt's gonna join us we're gonna talk a little more hbo max as there was some interesting news that came on there uh regarding hbo max and its decision to pull gone with the wind but before we get into all of that figure we should start by bringing in the other two hosts of the show for this week uh we'll start with the the man who's been here since day one and only missed one complete episode and that's mr david ungard david how the heck are you today i'm doing well just trying to figure out how i'm going to fund all these new game consoles in 2020 because 
I, I sense gotta, I sense a lot of money going out the window. Yeah, you got to buy them all. You got to buy the coffee table and the router, the the, the, the winged router. router, the router. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I don't even know but, what the switch is. You know, if you can ever find uh, one. That's true. That's true. And the other voice that you just heard there chiming in, um, it's him. It's him. It's the scientist himself. It's DPP. DPP, how you doing, pal? I'm doing awesome. On the same boat, I'm starting to collect this money that I've been saving during this quarantine to get ready to buy some new consoles. That's for sure. I I blew a lot of money this week um, during quarantine. Uh, yeah. Because I, yeah, and it, it was I, I blew it on productive stuff too. Like that's the thing is like uh, I think I shared this in the last week's episode. This this week I uh, I enjoyed a one week unpaid vacation courtesy of the state of Massachusetts. I was furloughed. Um, as was the rest of the University of Massachusetts, if you were a non-faculty member. Like, everybody got, everybody's taking a week off at some point in the first three weeks of June. Yay, us. Uh, and so this week, I actually took it upon myself to to get get the haircut. Finally got, you know, the barbers are open, so the hair is shorter. Um, it's a little dark in the, in the old home office today, so it's a little harder to see. Um, spent a lot of time doing, like, yard work, and I think I dropped, you know, few hundred dollars on things like mulch and hedge trimmers and just all kinds of stuff to where it actually looks like people live at our house now. Like it doesn't look like an abandoned lot in Western Massachusetts. We're, we're in the middle of that as well. We just bought a handful of mulch and did a little bit in the, of the yard. And now we kept talking about, you know, okay, we got to go back and get some more so that we can do the rest of this area. So it's like, one little tree, a little spot looks awesome, and the rest, yeah, just still looks like a train wreck, but <laughs> we'll get there, I guess. Right. Yeah, my wife's been going crazy in the backyard, just doing stuff. I think finally tracked down a salt cell for the pool this year. That'll be good. Sick of chlorine tabs. That's a pain in the ass. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> you do digress. No, that's fine. Um, it's it's We have fun on this show, so it's okay to digress a little bit. You know, it's you talked about mulch and having to go back. You ever notice that that bag, you look at the bag and it says 15 cubic feet and you're like, wow, that 15 cubic feet, that sounds really good. Then you dump it and you're like, that, that's not a lot. That's it? That's, like it yeah, like it filled up a foot. <laughs> right. There's a reason that you get a discounted price when you get to uh, 30. If, say, you go to Lowe's or Home Depot or Ace Hardware or wherever it is you go. Uh, because they want you de- you need that much stuff. We we bought I think I bought we we dropped forty five bags of mulch and we're still not done. Uh and it's just you just can't believe how how little that much that stuff covers. So it's a racket. It's a racket. Tore up trees is a racket. But yeah. Have, anyway. Have fun with that, Patrick. I'm just you know. I you know what? But here's the thing is, you know, I got we're back to work this week, so there won't be any of that. And then next week you guys are without me. Um, Rick's Rick's returning to the show. I am taking a week off. We're we're going to Cape Cod uh, for a vacation, a nice little private place, private beach, kind of away from civilization a little bit. So we're we're excited to to do that. So the family will family will be away. Um, so it's going to be at least you know July before we finally get the yard mulch, and by then all the old mulch will have dried out. And you'll need to put new mulch down on the old mulch, and so it's it's the snake that eats its own tail fellas yeah dp uh we better make sure we get tony on next week just to keep things completely grounded you know i know me and you me and you are okay but with rick coming back i mean we're gonna need we need tony (laughs) 
Yeah, we're gonna need <laughs> some mulch. Mulch, you need some mulch. <laughs> you need to cover up the weeds. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, oh boy. Well, anyway, before we get too far into this, uh, you know, I want to share a little bit of news. It's actually not my news. In fact, I think uh, we should give the guy whose news it is his, his opportunity to share. It, and that's our good buddy DP. You you started something new this week, man. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about it? Yeah. So this uh, last. Well, recorded Thursday, we dropped our first episode on Friday. It's called A Winner Is You, and it's all about all things gaming. Uh, we're, we're planning to talk, you know, video games for the most part, but we're going to talk some board games as well uh, in there. We're, we're looking forward to doing some video uh, recordings that we're going to throw up on the ChairShot YouTube page of us playing some uh, tabletop simulator games, probably like some Catan or things like that, and uh, get those out there for everybody as well. But, well, you know, initially where it's, it's more focused on video game side of things. We talked about PlayStation 5. Uh, it's a bunch of new guys that have not podcasted before. And I am. Oh, that's always fun. Enough. Oh, <laughs> that's well, always and I fun. host. I'm well, used to PC Tunny taking care of the hosting duties, and now I have to host, so it's fun. Yeah, but you, you, I mean, you're not a novice. I mean, you've been around me no. and Tunny and Patrick and everybody else for so long that you could do it better than us, obviously. Yeah. Hey, hey, this is the first podcast that I that I uh, hosted ever, so there's that, and even that one. It wasn't really you're doing a, a hell of a job. You're, you're doing a hell of a job, Patrick. Our our our, our, our ribbing each other aside, you're doing just fine, man. I, I do believe it was Tony who one day after we did an episode was like, Patrick should host the show. Like he just like made the call and everybody's like, okay. And that's how, <laughs> and that's how Patrick O'Dowd ended up hosting bandwagon nerds. Craig agreed, but um, it's worked out. I agree. I think it's worked out well. I've enjoyed doing it and I'm, I'm happy to keep doing it. Uh, as a, as a nice little treat, we just talked about this before the show, but we are going to do uh, instead of our normal outro, uh, we are going to give everybody a little bit of a sample of a winner is you at the end of this. So make sure that you listen um, all the way through. Give yourself an opportunity to get a little flavor uh, of a winner is you, uh, as it's a it's a it's a fun little podcast. Uh, and it I was I was excited to listen to it uh, and got a little fanboyish when you guys were talking about old video game systems and strategy guides and Nintendo Power. And you brought up the hotline, the the old Nintendo Power hotline, or I don't know if it was Nintendo Power that ran it, but there was a Nintendo gaming hotline. And all of you were like, we never called it, but it was there. I called the hotline once. No kidding. Uh, Where were you stuck so uh, badly? So here's the thing (laughs) is, I didn't have time before the show to look up the game. And this is a game that exists. I know we've had this joke before. It's a real game. It was a Nintendo uh, Nintendo Entertainment System game, and it was a it was kind of like an RPG where it had these different screens with like puzzles, and I can't, it's like Shadow something was the name of it. But there was this part in the game where you're you're going through this old castle, and you come to a bridge, and the bridge is guarded by a phoenix or or not a phoenix, a sphinx. And the first time you face this sphinx, you get rid of it by throwing a spear at it, and it goes away. But when you come back to the room later, it's back. And if you try to cross the bridge, it kills you. And I could not for the life of me figure out how to get past this damn screen. 
at, to the point where I was getting really frustrated and I convinced my parents, my parents caved and let me call and find out how to get past this screen, past this Sphinx the second time. And yeah, so it was, uh, I can't remember what it cost to call, but I, I think it was like 90 something, 99 cents a minute or something, something, oh, you sure. know, probably like three ninety nine the first minute, 99 cents each additional minute, something like that. And it wasn't a very long, I was on hold probably longer than I was actually on to talk about where I was stuck in the game. And so it was, uh, but yeah, so totally remember that hotline, totally called it, uh, totally talked to some random dude who did indeed get paid just to know how to get through various video games. So right. here's a fun story. That game was called Shadowgate, right? Shadowgate, yes. Yeah, I got yes. stuck in the same damn place on that game. So, <laughs> uh, but but we I didn't we didn't do the power or the the hotline. There were like a local store that was selling the game. Some of the guys who were in there who sold it had gotten by it, and so they kind of told us, "Here, here's what you do," and that's the only way we got by. But it was the same fucking part of that game, Shadowgate. Shadowgate and Faxanadu are ones that I really yep. remember very well, along with Dragon Warrior, as ones that you could really get just absolutely stuck in the quicksand of that thing. And uh, but yeah, Shadowgate was a great game, though. There is, that's awesome. Yeah, that was you know that was kind of the way we wanted to open up the show too, was just to you know get everybody introduced to the different guys that are out there, Sean and Adam and, and Drew that are on the podcast with me and. Just to let everybody know where their backgrounds come from. They're big gamers as well. And everybody has a fun stories of growing up and what they've what they played and how they got to where they are. So we we reminisced for a good first half of the podcast talking about all that kind of fun stuff and all the Nintendo games of lore. Yeah, it's it's a great listen, and uh, I highly encourage any of you, especially, you know, if you love our podcast, this is right in your wheelhouse, listeners. So the twenty the twenty two of you that you know vote in our poll make sure you get over and add 22 listeners to winner as you as well speaking of polls uh we are recording this at about 220 here on sunday uh and, and i want to talk a little bit uh the nerd review at this point at, 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 at the recording time uh for 300 is not up yet uh checked in with greg it should be going up soon i uh, said it'll go up today uh he uh he apologized profusely uh, and he told me that um, for, they're looking at changing the schedule as, uh, as to when the review drops. So the review uh, readers is going to start dropping on Thursdays instead of Fridays starting next week uh, with our next poll. But before we get into this, uh, I wanted to follow through on my promise of being the East German judge. I gave uh, I gave three hundred one and a half out of five. What? Real. Yeah. I did. That, is, that is beyond brutal, man. That's just like that's like <laughs> the only way that brutal. works is if like uh, let's say somebody's on a, on a platform diving thing, and they actually bounced into the diving board. That's a one and a half out of five. I did. I didn't give it a zero point five out of five. I didn't give it a zero out of five. Uh, I so you'll re you'll read this in the review when it goes up. I bought this movie when it came out, like college aged Patrick loved this movie old man patrick who hadn't pulled that movie out in literally over 10 years was was like oh yeah like the disc is so old it's been scratched somewhere along the way and the dv or the ps4 like didn't read it and skip the scene and i didn't miss it and as i'm watching this thing 
it's a it's a beautifully shot movie. It is gorgeous. If you love pretty action violence, great. But it's it's just a testosterone laden frat boys wet dream, and it's just just it's just not me anymore. It's vapid. It's stupid. It's violent for the sake of violence. It you know, plays into so many Asian stereotypes and I've changed as a person in, in that regard too, is the kind of content that we, that, that I watch and consume and like, can't not pay attention to that anymore. Like it's something that, you know, col- you know, again, college HB didn't think about, but the last two movies we've watched, I've been like, that's racist. That's racist. This is terrible. That's right. And that hurts the movie for me. And that is like, I wow. can't, I can't wait. Like, to I can't see. confidently endorse it. <laughs> I can't wait to see what you do with the one that's coming up then. But we're going to talk, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit because again, there's, there's a difference between a stereotyping and playing into tropes that is brought up for laughs at the expense of a people versus a satirical comedy that calls attention to those those problems and is problematic and i think that's a big difference between some of the things that i love dave's doing the like no no okay, no, no. I, I agree i agree but, everything you say that is exactly uh, what what because it, yeah and, and that's and i think that's where it's, it's very interesting and very challenging so yes our mel brooks poll came through and this was a landslide fellas like it wasn't even close i thought i thought like young frankenstein would have a chance yeah. i thought I thought his. I thought all four of them. Yeah. Spaceballs. I thought had a good shot. Let me let me ask you before you get there. Well, uh, go ahead because I did have a question about something. But go ahead, Patrick. Well, well, Blazing Saddles won, and I I don't know about you guys, but I kind of like to keep the Mel Brooks train going for for the next few polls, just because there's so many great Mel Brooks movies out there. I figure for this week, with me being gone. Um, I'll still do a, I'll still do a movie review and, and submit it, uh, but with Rick wanting his movie up there, I figured we put Dracula Dead and Loving there up there for Dead and Loving it for for Rick so that his movie ha- has some airspace and if it wins he gets an opportunity to write about it. But I think that you know there's there's a lot of meat on the bone for Mel Brooks and could be a worthwhile coverage for multiple weeks i mean if we say okay we eliminate blazing saddles put the three remaining ones in dracula dead and loving it i'm predicting a space balls victory based on what we just saw sure but here's right. what i want to ask you okay. does anybody know where you can get a copy of history or watch history of the world part one it's not on voodoo what? for purchase you can't buy it on prime it's not on hbo max i went through all the streaming services i'm like what the hell not yeah, on any of them blu-ray yeah, Blu-ray. Right, like, yeah, there you go. In my, I'll in mail my, it to you. In my movie cabinet. Thank you. So here, there's one resource, and I and I and I strongly encourage you guys to look into this because it's a free resource if you pay taxes and use your local library. Uh, because your local library provides media, and that's where I get a lot of the movies that we review that I don't own. Is, uh, and I don't know what your library system is like in California, Dave, or or in Wisconsin. It's fucked. Uh, but it's fine. <laughs> the West, the Western Mass uh, Library System where I live is a really, really strong network uh, where I find just about anything and everything I would want to watch and consume that I don't already have or own, and it's a free resource. The only thing I don't love about it uh, is that you know you are kind of at the mercy of the system, and so you know their 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 supply is a little more finite. So I might find myself waiting forever and ever 
for history of the world part one, but like in anticipation of blazing saddles winning. Cause you could see the writing on the wall very, very quickly. Like there it was just it was like, off okay. and running and never looked right. back. <laughs> it did. It blew everything out of the water. I was like, okay, I reserved blazing saddles so that I could get it in time to watch the movie and review it. Um, you know, and a lot of these older movies that are, you know, quote unquote classics are well known. Multiple libraries have them. And so it's a little bit easier to get your hands on on a copy. Uh, the thing that, you know, local libraries don't do that is is convenient for for tech people uh, is that, that, you know, there's digital copies that exist out there, but they don't, you know, the library is struggling to go digital. Just now starting to get ebooks uh, on the regular at our local libraries. But great resource. Get a library card. Um, and, and find your local library and support them. And those are resources that we need. Uh, anyway, um, great public resource and a good use of your tax dollars. Yeah, I'm going to go and I got to buy Blazing Saddles because I am genuinely concerned that it will go the route of Gone with the Wind very soon. Here. I, I completely disagree with you. I completely disagree with you. I used to do library as well for, for a long time. There uh, had one basically like a block away from me and I would walk there and pick up all sorts of different movies and everything. And yeah, it is, like you said, that's if nobody's using it, that's, that is a fantastic resource. If you do want to find some movies and, you know, just anything like that, because they, they have it. They, it's actually there. The library is useful. (laughs) I, I will tell you, I've learned, I've learned more current music through my public library than any other. Cause I, you know, I stopped following the radio, the radio died. Uh, in the, in the sense that like nobody listens to radio, you listen to Spotify, your own collection of music, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, but I still like to watch the Grammys and I'll be like, who the hell is this? Like, what's, let's, let's see what the big deal is about this Lizzo person. Like, and go check it out. Uh, and the library will have it like, and that's what's great about it. Uh, so yeah, check out your local library. And check out Blazing Saddles because we're going to talk about it. It's going to be a great, great flick to, to see us review for next week. But we're going to move on. We're going to jump into our streaming catalog, our Amazon Prime accounts, and talk about The Boys Episode 3. And I'll tell you what, they just keep upping the memorable deaths, fellas. They just keep upping them. I watched it literally <laughs> an hour ago. a boy. <laughs> it was awesome. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And I know I like everybody else in the, my house is way ahead of me on this thing. And I know uh, my nephew just finished it and he's just like, and you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> it's just, it's only eight episodes long too. So yeah, quick, quick series. It is. It's a uh, man. It's just fantastic here. I mean, con- go, go ahead guys. I say it's, it's just a continual descent. I mean, you know, we, with episode two at the end of that, where Dewey, uh, you know, explodes translucent and, basically becomes another oh, for the most part bad person kind of you know and and it seems like at this point the only wholesome one left is starlight right but, you know we don't know and may and queen mave we still don't know and we started to get a little bit into her in this last episode and and understood that her and homelander had had a relationship and were dating at one point and you know she can you can tell that she's all about you know the media and trying to get you know her face out there and you know when they stopped the shooter that was up on the on the whatever 43rd floor and she she's down a point you know and she loses that yeah she lost it that was her that was her bag and homelander is obviously just doesn't give a crap about anything and just wants to destroy the world it seems (laughs) (laughs) 
And then yeah, we, I, th- I think. And then oh, you've go got then you've got Compound V, which we learned a lot more about, right. and apparently it's uh, steroids for superheroes, which is a a frightening concept. Right, A Train, uh, freaking out about his position within within the seven, taking Compound V so that he could win his race. His girlfriend skiving off of his um, stash of Compound V to get her fix, uh, and killing her landlord. While yeah. sitting on his face, uh, and there's just there's no delicate way to put it, uh, as her you know as again we see this level of depravity with these people with powers, and you know how people are wrestling with real human emotion and real human problems in a way that a superhero way because because that's what's really fascinating about what happens here is this girlfriend who's upset at a train. Because he refuses to acknowledge that they're together publicly, that they're, you know, together in secret, gets angry, does some compound V, starts mad lifting weights, and then tries to have revenge sex with their landlord and, you know, inadvertently kills him in the process by crushing his head is just, it's it's like it's bizarre and over the top, and yet it's still a relatable thing to happen. And that like, cause real people, you know, react in these ways, just, you know, without superpowers and without crushing people's heads. And that's what I really have appreciated about the boys is that there is this real human element to these supers. Um, you also see that Huey and Starlight's um, relationships growing, uh, but yeah. that Huey's conflicted cause he's got this number and he wants to date her at the same time. He, you know, he tells Billy, he's like, yep. I got her number and you know, they're going to want to use that. And I mean, and that's the, to me, that's the best part going on right now. It's, it's this conflict that, and I love how Huey, you know, he's all hung up on Robin for the first half of the episode. And then as soon as Starlight gives him the number, it's like Robin who, you know, it's just gone. We're, we're out of here, you know? And, and, uh, but yeah, it's going to be great because he's obviously interested in her. uh, Right. And at the same time, he's aligned himself with people who have vowed to take down the seven Starlight is right. one of the seven, although as Dan says, she's the most wholesome one and the only one who seems to have any sort of moral compass is Starlight. And yet, and yet she's compromising those values yep. little by little. And that's the thing is it's, you know, it is, it's like this crawl inch by inch. And and first it's, you know, here we are, it's over a, a uniform, right? Like that's, that's where Starlight is stuck is she's got this uniform that's highly sexualized and she hates it. And she keeps having these little acts of defiance against the company. And and yet while she's having these acts of defiance, she's still, still going along with it because she's still clinging to that dream. Right. This is that, that, you know, the dream that you wanted and you, you start to, you know, the company is like, well, you know, you gotta, you want to play ball. You want to be part of us. And, you can see the conflict starting with her. You don't know which way she's going to go at this point. And, you know, you wonder, is that the way a lot of these other ones started? You know, maybe they were, for the most part, wholesome when they started. And, you know, the company basically deteriorates your honorability and you become just this kind of awful human being in a sense that, you you know, you start to not care about everything else. And, you you know, you do what you want to just be part of this team. Right. And you guys may both raise great points because Huey just basically tells her, why don't you just quit then? And she doesn't take him up on that offer. She says, I better get back to back to work. Um, 
yeah, I mean, the option to quit is there, but it's not really practical. Uh, but it, it's, it's, uh, it, I mean, we are four for four on series, guys. And I mean, if, if you ask me which one of the, which one of the four is the best right now, and we're not even through the boys, it's just a toss up for me. And I, I was talking to somebody today. It's like, man, I know Mandalorian comes out in October, but what if all three of these other series we've watched drop season two at the same time? Man, these episodes, every episode's going to be like 25. They're all going to be four hours long. So. Well, and I can't remember where um, I can't remember where season two of the boys is right around the corner. Like it's coming soon. Have they confirmed that because we were talking today and we weren't sure whether they confirmed a second season. Yeah, second season is is done. Like it's wrapped. They're just waiting to drop it. Um, I believe it's late summer. I think it's like mid to late July, maybe early August, somewhere in there. So, man, that uh, that'd be great if that happens, and then that will end right about the time Mandalorian drops. Right. We, we may never get to Doom Patrol because uh, well, that, that was that one came. I mean, I, I, has anybody watched any of that? Because, I mean, all I know is from my nephew telling me this has got the greatest comedy scene in the history of streaming on it. And I'm like, that's a bold statement. I don't know what it is, but has anybody watched any of it? No, I have not watched a minute of Doom Patrol. I saw that it was available on HBO Max. And uh, the the only thing that I know is that Brendan Fraser is the voice of the metal guy. That's in there. Like, that's it. So, and I don't know their names. I know it's a DC property. uh, And so we would watch a DC show, Dave. I'm in. We'll have to put it to the, we'll have to put it to the people again once the boys is done. But I, I certainly think that that's one that should go on the, uh, on the poll, not the stripper poll, the poll, you know what I mean? You guys know. Yeah, I know. So, yeah. So here we go. Um, we still haven't gotten our hands on Compound V yet. We'll, we'll see how that goes for the fellas uh, moving forward as they still try to work this out and figure it out. Who knows what's going to happen in episode four. Uh, we didn't even talk about the introduction of Mother's Milk, uh, new character, another old friend of Billy, Butch- Billy Butcher's uh, that does not get along with Frenchie at all. But they put aside their differences. And he's got his old thing, his whole thing going on where he's got a relationship he's trying to maintain while at the same time, get 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 his revenge on the seven as well. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not bringing sure. another element into it too. You know, it like just, you, you don't know there was it. I can't remember. Was it Madeline or something? What happened with that? And Madeline. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. we're gonna get that. We're probably gonna get that story of of them two and you know why they hate each other so much. There was obviously a you know a job gone wrong. So I'm looking forward to seeing all of that. Right. It, there's that. And then there is there's something with Elizabeth Shue's character in Homelander. Uh, you know, that that's cool. pretty evident. And I've heard some stuff that I'm not going to spoil or anything, but there's oh, something I know there. what you're talking about. Yeah, there's something going on with those two that you just can't quite. It's like you it's like I could see it, but I don't know what it is. And I'm sure I'm going to find out. And yeah, Mother's Milk. He's like it's like they're OK. There seems to be more to this guy than on the surface. Like maybe he's not who you think he is. That sort of thing, especially right. when he's talking to talking to Huey and trying to keep Huey's his moral compass in line, because, yeah, there's a couple of places where you seem like, what, what's what's his angle here? What's he trying to do with him? Um, you know, I don't know, but it, it's a great show so far. I, I know it just gets better from here. I mean, episode four will be halfway home. So, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, more to come halfway home, as you said, Dave looking forward to hearing your reaction to a lot of this as you uh as you sort of alluded to some of the things you know are coming um i can't wait to hear your your actual reactions to it and i'm sure uh, 
DP and I, as we, as we kind of watch it and just be like, Oh, like honest to goodness, as I was watching the episode run down, I was like, Oh, this is when this happened. I remember this episode now. So lots and lots of fun, good stuff to cover. Um, but I want to move on now and I want to talk a little bit about uh, a little bit of a follow-up to last week's episode. We had Justin Dowd, uh, board gaming. I called him the board gaming extraordinaire. Um, he talked to us about, you know, what he's doing with his game, his game nights and uh, kind of the challenges he's had with, you know, so many of our, uh, our local establishments being closed, talked about play testing a lot. And in the wake of that, Dave, I'm going to hand this over to you. You shared a link with all of us in the chat room. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you what you found and, and what what we can look forward to? Yeah, so like Justin was mentioning last week, I think uh, we both kind of used the uh, abbreviation BGG in a few places, which is short for Board Game Geek, which is probably the preeminent board gaming site that is out there then um there's there's other really well-known sites like the dice tower which is uh tom vassal and uh, a couple other guys they do a lot of youtube board game reviews they do like the top 100 games of all time every year they do this thing it's fantastic and the list is always changing so they do a lot of stuff well board game geek and dice tower both have conventions that they normally run both of them got canceled. I think it was BGG Spring Convention or, or Dice Tower Spring. I forget which one it was. Um, so they have decided to do a virtual board gaming convention. It's, I think, June 24th through the 28th or something like that. Is that right? And um, Yeah, that's correct. And what they're doing is it's it's 10 bucks, and, and it's cool because anybody who was going to either the BGG conference or the Dice Tower conference, you know, they get in for free, that sort of thing. Uh, but it's like 10 bucks gets you access for all four days. And they, it sounds like they're going to actually help you get set up with it, it's a virtual con, you know, so you can play games like Justin was talking about tabletop simulator or some of the other ones that he was using. I forget the exact name of the ones he was using, but they're they're going to introduce, you know, they're going to implement that so people can actually attend like a board gaming conference, get together with other people, uh, play games that they want to play. That's going to be kind of moderated by people affiliated with board game geek or dice tower. Um, they're going to have, I think they're going to have some presentations and talk about some of the new games coming out and that sort of thing. Um, so it's, it's a, a great opportunity for people who, um, you know, I, I don't know how, I don't know how user friendly it would be if like you're brand new to the board gaming industry, but if you've been playing for a while and you're looking forward to a conference type of environment and you want to go play some of these games with other people who want to play these games, you know, 10 bucks, for four days, that's like nothing. BlizzCon's virtual thing is like what thirty or forty dollars, Dan, something like that. Uh, oh yeah. So I mean, it's it's a great deal. They're going to have some presentations. Um, you know, it's probably the best we're going to get right now with GamesCon. I doubt it's going to go down or, or whatever they do over in, in Germany. They have stuff going on. Um, but it, it's a it's a cool deal, and it was uh, it came across my stream uh, of, of notifications I got, and it's just yeah. I mean. I thought of Justin and I said, I bet you he would like this a lot. And it's just, it sounds like a really good opportunity for people to play some board games in a virtual environment with other people who want to uh, share similar sort of stuff with them. Right. Exactly. It's, it's a good way for people to get together, kind of like what Justin was talking about last week, you know, but on a larger scale, you know, you want to get out there and you try some new games, you know, there's going to be new games, you know, that you can 
you know, test out or play or whatever, and like yeah, games you were thinking about maybe getting or, or per- getting into or purchase. I think they got stuff for purchase or, too. Or or purchase, yeah. And you get to, you know, do that at home and, and virtually and you know, get together with a group of people, you know, from around the world, wherever, and they'll they'll set you up, they'll get you a game going and you could start playing and for for ten bucks for five and all five days you get to go, you know, and, and do whatever. You got a lot of time to try out some new things and, and, you know, test out different games. And that's, that's pretty fun. And it gives you a, an opportunity yeah, to, to connect with a group of people that maybe you normally wouldn't connect with. So I, I think that's, that's pretty cool. I, it's, it's a good way to keep it alive and do this while you still can't fully get together and in this big convention style and, and play games like this. This is, this is a great option. Again, a good, good idea by Dice Tower and BGG to kind of come together to do this. And Tabletopia is giving away or, or giving access to their stuff for free. Uh, that's yep. fantastic. Um, they got an event schedule. I mean, yeah, you just go to, I mean, unless Patrick's going to announce it. I mean, if you just go to BoardGameGeek.com, you'll see they've got the Virtual Gaming Con 2020. I'm going right. to try it. Hey, you know, why not? Ten bucks. Let's yeah, I, I was, uh, you can't beat that price. You can't beat that price. And I think this is a genius move by them. I think that it it lends very well to a virtual convention sort of format in that you can set up these various gaming rooms. The real question will be how many times does the site crash the first day? All right, that's my, like that's my Disney Plus that's, gets released. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's 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 my negative Nancy moment. Um I in all seriousness, this is great. Uh, and yeah, like they're going to make bank and they are going to sell tons of, I think they will sell tons of their product because that's for, for as much as, as a convention is about bringing folks together to like show off product and, and introduce folks to thing. It's also a commercial venture as well. And this is a genius sort of thing. If people find that this is something worth playing, they're going to, they're going to buy it. And that's, it's just the way it is. I've never not purchased something at a gaming convention or at any convention. Like you go to a con, you're buying something. Yep. Um, it's just how it is. That's what WrestleMania is. One big con. I expect a live stream from the, a winner is you podcast. That's, um, that's what I'm looking forward to. I can't wait to hear it. So eh, maybe yeah. we can make that happen. He's like, hmm. Let's let's look okay. at this. Look at that. Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay. yeah. look at that. Con- content creation, baby. Yeah. So we're gonna do a brief trip to the trailer park today because a really important trailer dropped. And and I gotta I gotta tell you, I loved Dave and I and he's not here, but Dave and Rick's response to the Bill and Ted face the music trailer when it dropped was outstanding. Because both of you were like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. It's like a minute and a half of nothing information. <laughs> and you guys were like, this is, I don't know, man. And so I'm a little worried. Are, are you okay, Dave? I'm, I, I'm, I'm okay. I mean, I'll, 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 you know, let's, let's, let's see what happens with the rest of it. That was, like you said, just a teaser. Just a teaser of a trailer for Bill and Ted. Did you expect, I mean, did you expect anything more from this kind of movie in a trailer? I I don't know. I just, I thought, I thought it was exactly what you expected. It was like, Hey, look, remember these two guys, they're back and they're doing their same shit. Here's what, here's (laughs) what I loved about Dave's response. Cause I think it was you that was like, 
I don't know. I just can't Keanu Reeves in that role. I can't, I don't, I don't see it anymore. And yeah. I was like, yeah, let's imagine how full circle Keanu Reeves has come to where the dude who was in Bill and Ted was not given any credit for big time Matrix. Like when he showed up in the matrix, people were like, I don't know if I could just see the guy who played Bill from Bill and Ted playing a, a Kung Fu dude to now he's going back to the role that got him there. And people are like, Dave's like, I don't know if, if Keanu Reeves, I got it. It just doesn't fit anymore. I love that. I love that. That's where, that's where we took ourselves <laughs> with Keanu in that role. I, I, just, I, I saw him in, in my mind, I'm thinking John Wick and I'm thinking, yeah, Neo, Neo. and, and, you know, even, even some of the shit from like point break or, or speed or something. And I'm just like, point break, you know, it's like, that's, you know, Ted Theodore Logan meets John Wick. It's like this just just i don't know he's he's too refined to be stupid now in a fun sort of way you know but i hey if anybody can pull it off it's keanu reeves you know just having seen alex winter back you know it's like god damn i haven't seen him since lost boys for him you know that sort of well what's crazy is where his career took him like if you go and look what alex winters became a pretty influential producer if i'm not mistaken if that's if that's where uh if i read that correctly so is great. We did get to see at least a glimpse of where they're going to end up in the past. Apparently, they end up as jacked up prison guys at some point, and so that that should be interesting. Um, I get the please, feeling we're going to get the past, present, and future. You know, where they do some CGI and they go backwards, and you see them as the young guys and all that stuff. Probably yeah, too. Yeah. So, pretty excited I, I, for that. I just wish they'd bring back Billy the Kid. Like find the guy who played Billy the Kid, bring him back. I don't care how old he is. Mister the Kid, yeah, get him. Mister the Kid and Socrates, bring back Socrates. Socrates, Socrates. Uh, the guys might be dead. He might like, be. Yeah. Well, that's like, Rufus too. You know, I you know, yeah, I hope uh, they Rufus. don't try and recreate Rufus. In, in I mean, some other I, I didn't go back and look. Respect. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna IMDb this real quick. But that was that movie was in the '80s, right? Like that should have been the, in the '80s project. The first one, I yeah, think it was like wasn't it '91 or '90? Because oh, it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't make any of our lists, and it certainly should have. That would be an, a massive oversight on all of our parts. I, I don't know. It's really hard when you're trying to narrow things down to 10. 1989 release date. So, yeah, I definitely didn't make mine. Um, shame maybe, on you. Maybe it made mine. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, you don't remember. None of us remember. That's okay. I think the movie looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a, a perfect little way to spend an hour to two hour hour and a half to two hours it's going to be mindless it's going to be funny it'll be easily digestible and then we'll move on with our lives uh and, and you know maybe watch it once or twice after i'm gonna see it. it i don't care what the trailers look like i'm gonna go see it <laughs> as long as they don't uh you know like try and pull a dumb and dumber when they tried to bring them back and that was just that did not work right rick made right. that comparison Rick made so, that comparison. Is that, is that where we heard it? Okay. I Rick can't remember said if that, it was on the feed or not. And I said, there's a big difference, though. It's like they've got the original cast. They didn't substitute right. them out like Dumber and Dumbest or whatever the fuck that thing was called, where they right. brought in other people to play Lloyd Christmas. Others. And, yeah, others. Um, they've got the original right, guys on they here. They were young. Yeah, and that makes a big a big difference as far as continuity and believability and just, just acceptance of what's going on. I mean, I could never accept... Cool. The other, the Dumb and Dumber sequel. Well, and they who even the did, a, they even the, did one. Who is the woman the, from the, the future in, in the trailer? It was like a really famous actress. Um, big time. I can't remember who it was. 
Oh God. Like an Emma Thompson or something like that. I, I don't even remember. Don't remember. Anyway, they, they, they got a new Rufus, but I can't remember what, what it was or who, it, uh, who played it. Um, I'll quickly go to the IMDb. Anyway, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about the other big news item that hit that um, garnered some interesting reaction, and that was Sony. Sony did a did a beautiful little uh, um, presentation, a virtual presentation online, where we were introduced to PS5, and the memes that resulted from the reveal of the PlayStation 5 told me exactly how important this was to everybody. So, you know, I know, DP, you've already talked about it uh, on your previous show, or uh, I'm sorry, on A Winner Is You. Dave, what what, what are your initial reactions to the PlayStation 5? I mean, I... I... (laughs) It's, 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 you know, anytime they launch one of the new consoles, you gotta, you gotta kind of temper your expectations a little bit. I, I mean, from an aesthetic standpoint, yeah, it does kind of look like a wing router. That's, uh, that's true. I, you can't, I don't think you can get away with that. I don't think it looks like, um, the type of system that people were expecting. Uh, the white with the, the white outer part, um, that's, that's interesting. I assume maybe they'll do a black version as well. I find it interesting that they're going to have the two varieties. One is going to be disc based, and the other one's going to be what digital only. Dan, is that is that what they're that's doing right. with this thing? That's um, that's an interesting concept. Uh, I you know I didn't I didn't see that one coming. But beyond that, you didn't get a whole lot of. Uh, I, I mean, they they've got a slew of games that they're talking about. Um, some of them seem very yeah. interesting. Like uh, I know uh, Patrick, your friend who was on the uh, show a few Morgan months, Morgan, uh, she talked a lot about Horizon horizon dawn i think or what whatever it was um they got the sequel to that coming to the ps5 there's i saw a trailer to nba 2k 21 which uh looked really i mean the sweat effect was kind of like stunning it was like wow that's pretty cool that's what i want to see in my video games just a good sweat sweat. a good sweat yeah Yeah. give me uh, as opposed to like something mind mind blowing as far as gameplay but yeah, I mean, it, it looks like a very powerful system. It looks like it's going to be a, a a a good counterpoint to the Xbox Series X. I mean, it's it's hard to say because they gave a lot of information and yet they didn't give a lot of information. If that makes any sense. Sure, you 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 left out the most important game trailer that showed up um, on that. That oh, was Miles the Spider Man Miles Morales. Game. Right, but yes. here's the thing that but that's Dan. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's not a standalone. It's like an expansion to the Spider Man game, right? No, 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 no. They they said it is it is its own game. It is its own game, and it's in a sense like a sequel to the first one for the most yeah, part. Quiet, right. quiet, you. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, here's the thing is, I think it's hilarious uh, that anytime this stuff gets revealed, the first thing people do is really, we talk about the looks <laughs> and the look of it. Here's the thing. Does the machine freaking work? Does it Does it play? What is it going to play by damn games? Great. I don't give a shit what it looks like. It's fine. I, I don't base my home decor around the look of the PS uh, the PS5. I will say... I think it is genius and I think it is a really good move to have both a disc and non-disc machine available for Luddites like me. And for me, it's really about the the type of media I use to consume because my PlayStation 4 is like my media hub for everything. 
and that includes my Blu-ray disc player. That includes sometimes just like it can play music, like it can do all this great stuff. I, I still have a lot of physical media, and I'm going to still have physical media after the PlayStation Five comes out. So to have an option to have one that allow me to play my physical media is really important to me. Uh, downloading games, you know, some most people these days, you know, the younger folks, it is it's download a game uh, and just put it right on the machine. So I get why having both options is a is a very good and viable option. Um, right, and I would imagine the digital only variety is going to be cheaper right dan i'm sure it'll save you a hundred bucks i mean I, yes. I know they haven't figured out the price point but it's probably going to be a hundred bucks less you know for the for the the digital only version and that'll save you some money for the people that don't have you know some digital media that don't want to use it and we talked as well on, on a winner as you about the aesthetics of it and it does look very futuristic and you mentioned it being a home decor piece in a sense sometimes that you know is it Modern something art. Is it something you want to have out there for people to see? Because you use it for everything, right? You're using right. it as your media central place to stream your, play your music and, and play, you know, your movies and everything like that. So would you, you know, are they trying to make it, you know, it looks like something out of the Jetsons kind of. Right. And, you know, I'm not, it's something that's probably not going to be hidden for the most part, right, right. I think. I am concerned that it won't fit in the cabinet where my other video game systems fit right now. Like that the shelves are going to be too small. And that's one of the other things too, is like putting that thing on its side does not look right. Like it seems like the way they're trying to do things is get it where it's vertical and have it stand it up. And like, I'm the same way. My, you know, console set over here set up is not built to have a standing console. It's, it's built to lay it flat and, Right. You know, I'm going to have to reorganize things just for to have these new standing consoles. <laughs> well, and just to pull the curtain back, are you going to add a shelf for your old systems into the into the collection? Um, as I, I see, uh, yeah, I see a row. Yeah. like, you just put one on top or are you going to have to find a new cubby? <laughs> right. You're going to have to move things around. Like I had some Legos up there before and now with the extra systems, it's like, well, I need to move stuff around or put stuff right. into a box and what do you put out for display or what do you do? Cause uh, like the old PlayStation, obviously everything's going to be backwards compatible. It looks like this time. So that's nice. So you yes. don't have to keep your old ones. Um, so that'll help, I think. And still, yeah, still just... one of the biggest things that really honked me off was when the PlayStation three stopped being backwards compatible for two and one games. And cause the first, the first PS three I bought was the last of the, that generation of PS3s that could play all the way back. And good Lord, because not every PlayStation game got converted to a digital download in the, the PS1 classics or the PS2 classics. So there's games that I own that I wish I could play, but I can't find a working system or I don't want to spend the money on a working system to play. Like I don't want to get a PlayStation 1 so that I can replay Final Fantasy Tactics, you know, and that's a downloadable game, but I don't want to rebuy it. Like I have it physically. Let me play my games. Old man yells at cloud. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Well, and will you and will you pay the extra, you know, let's say it's five hundred bucks for the for the disc version. Are you gonna pay that extra hundred bucks? Because you have all this old media and the old games that you want to be able to play? Probably, right? You're gonna fork yeah, over that extra hundred bucks to do I, it. I'm willing to pay that price, yes. Yeah. One thousand percent. Uh, and depending I'm sure on, they're going to have how it works. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you're going to need, you know, I think it was 
I think it was like an 856 gig. It was like a priority solid state drive that they're putting in this thing. So it's not exactly a terabyte, but it's going to fill up fast. I mean, every game is basically going to have to be downloaded to the system. So disc or not, like just like it is today. And it's going to, I know the 500 gig one I have now, I mean, that was gone after I loaded Red Dead 2. That was it. That filled the whole thing. So nice. We're going to need some expansion, uh, solid expansion drives that sh- to hold all these games, I think. It's funny, since the little O'Dowd started playing games, that's really when that's really what's taken a chunk out of the memory on my uh, on my system. Because I, I had like five games, <laughs> like five games I played because I'm because I'm old now. I don't buy I don't I don't get to buy games the way I used to. And um, but those were like my wheelhouse games just kind of right in. And now. Like the little doubt is like I must have every Plants vs Zombie game. I must have every this, this, and this game. And it's like I want to give you your own gaming system now, so that I can have mine back. And you keep taking all my memory, you little shit. Anyway, I love my son. He's a wonderful child. You. He's not. He's watching Teen Titans go upstairs on Cartoon Network. <laughs> no. Uh, real quick, uh, you know, Dave and I kind of talked about games we're looking forward to. Were there any trailers that spoke to you? TP that you you looked at and were like, yes, this is what I'm down for. Uh, other than the Spider-Man Miles Morales one, which is the number one thing I'm looking forward to, uh, the other one would be the the Ratchet and Clank one. Oh, yeah. I, I loved the Ratchet and Clank series, and every you know that's one of the other reasons I I stick to PS5 as opposed to Xbox because just there's more exclusive that I like. So that's the other one that I think of all of them that are there are really really interested to me. I, I did like the, even though I don't play them, the Resident Evil 8 uh, trailer yes. because it's, it's, they're starting to turn back towards that kind of horror element rather than just more of a action first person shooter type of game. So it was kind of cool to see them go backwards more towards the, the horror element of things. And I know a couple guys on uh, the Winner is You were really looking forward to Resident Evil 8 as well. So that was a good one. So Dan, like uh, comparing this to your thoughts about Xbox Series X, how are you feeling between the two consoles right now? I know Xbox Series X is the coffee table. This one's kind of the router, that sort of thing. Like we said <laughs> off the air, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the two systems right right now? Now that PS Five's been revealed to some extent, I think it's still always. I mean, spec wise and things like that, they're going to be pretty close to the same. I mean, you're not going to see much difference anymore with these consoles. It's going to come down to the exclusives. It's going to come down to which one you like better. And, you know, you, the handful of games that are different between the two, if you like, you know, the Halo series more, or do you like Uncharted more? You know, which which is your go-to? And that's kind of the way you're going to lean because everything else-wise, it's going to be the same. And I think aesthetic-wise, you're not going to care. It's it's whatever you want to play. So right. And you're going people, towards yeah. whatever one you, whatever games you like the most when it comes to exclusives, I think. And then you have people like me, me and you probably are like, ah, I got to play them both. So, you know, I, it's true. That's the hard <laughs> part now is I love them both and I, it's hard to pick. And I had to make that decision on the Xbox one or the PS4 uh, now, to give up any, any of those. And I made, I made that choice. <laughs> do you have to put an addition onto the house so that you have enough room for the giant ass Xbox, whatever it's called? I was going to like, uh, drill a thing into the wall so i could kind of like set it in like a stone i mean i hear that i hear they deliver it with a fork truck it's so big so you know 
Uh, I can't imagine. Yeah, it's that so big, I, I can't, <laughs> I, I can't wait to hear, big. I can't wait to hear more news about this, uh, about both systems as we get closer and closer. You know, allegedly the magic date is November, so I can't imagine we're not going to get more news uh, coming in the in the next few months, couple weeks. Who knows? Uh, and hopefully, once all those details get released, I'd love to see if we can bring Morgan back to actually talk about at least what it can do from the aspect of her job. Because yeah. you got to imagine what it can do with sound is going to be is going to be amazing. Yeah, and she did indicate she was very excited about the new consoles. And I, I mean, with this year with E three being canceled, uh, right? You know, it, stuff's going to trickle out. I mean, it it would have all just been like an explosion of information <laughs> that would have been going on last week had E three been going on. So. Yeah, I, ex- I expect yep. a lot of stuff is going to trickle out over the next couple of uh, months. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, we're going to take a little break now uh, and come back. And when we come back, we're going to have Christopher Platt on the show, uh, talk a little bit about uh, HBO Max and their decision to pull Gone with the Wind uh, from their streaming service. So uh, take a couple minutes, listen to our commercials, listen to the uh, listen to the voice of the chair shot radio network, uh, Christopher Platt. Uh, and we will be back on the back end. You are listening to bandwagon nerds, part of chair shot media on the chair shot.com. The chair Always use your head. Why should you visit the chair The chair is your home for hard hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out. TheChairShot.com. Welcome back onto the bandwagon. Thank you for listening to our commercials as we pay the bills. We are now one more nerd into the bandwagon as we are joined by Christopher Platt. How you doing, Mr. Platt? How, how are things? Greetings and salutations, everybody. Patrick, I am doing phenomenally well and only getting better. Thank you for having me on. Excellent. Thank you for taking a little bit of time to talk to us. Uh, we, uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking uh, about HBO Max and a news article, news bit that came out this week. Uh, something that I was really interested in talking about with this group uh, because I, I think it's very relevant into into where where we are with film today and just kind of what's going on in the world. And that is um, HBO made the decision this week uh, to pull the movie Gone with the Wind uh, from HBO Max temporarily. And I, and I think that's one of the things that I uh, found very interesting as they look to, quote, add historical context around the viewing of the film and now what that looks like who knows um i'm not even sure what that means uh whether that means it's a disclaimer or some sort of written thing in front of the movie before it goes up uh whether it's you know something a little more in depth uh like a mini documentary or something either before or after the movie who knows um i don't even think hbo really knows what they want to do uh, but they made the decision to do it and it's a conversation we've had on this show before um, very briefly. We've, you know, very much thumbnail nailed it, but this, this idea of looking at some really huge movies from our past that for lack of a better way of describing it are either 
insensitive, um, depict people of color in very stereotypical or tropey sort of ways, straight up racist sort of ways. And where this line between art of the time and the viewing audience and really whether whether we should have these movies available for consumption. And, you know, Dave is of the opinion that we may never see Gone with the Wind ever again. And oddly enough, um, there was a report. People were like panic buying the movie because they think it's going to get taken off the shelf. So, you know, before we really kind of get into that just sort of initial reactions to HBO's decision and and whether or not um, we're we're surprised because frankly I'm not uh, myself and I and I understand why so and anybody can go I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dictate this conversation well well I, I think Platt should go first he's he's the only credible one of us <laughs> who can comment on this from a black man's perspective and a black person's perspective. Otherwise, it's just three white guys speculating as to what we think we might feel about the whole situation. So I yield the floor to you, Mr. Velvet Pipes. Well, thank you, sir. And, and Patrick, you, you brought up a really interesting point, man. And I, I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And then I want to get back to your point and kind of expound upon that about, you know, eliminating art and stuff like that. I think there's a lot of meat on that bone. But in regards to what's happening right now in society, <clears throat> excuse me, it's very in vogue right now to speak on social issues as a matter of fact it's good for the brand and i know you all can't see me out there in podcast land but i literally put up their air quotes when i said the brand and you know i I don't pretend to know what's inside somebody's heart and i'm not even going to go there but at the same point in time there's clearly what we're seeing is a lot of performance art that's happening right now and it's funny because i was having this this very conversation yesterday with a good friend of mine and he brought up a really good point, an interesting point. He was talking about how the corporations are, are are making these statements and coming out. And it's like, okay, from their vantage point, well, this year is already washed because of COVID. I'm, we're not going to make any money this year. So I might as well go ahead and take this stand. So, you know, at least from the optics, when stuff gets back to we, when we get to the other side and we get back to some semblance of normal or the new normal, whatever that is, with at least with the optics, it looks as if I was on the right side of history. You know what I mean? And it's the different toilets, same shit, man. You know, uh, ultimately, they're, they're, in, in lieu, there's not going to be any any public policy done. There's not going to be any legislation done. It's just a big, fat, nothing burger. And this happens all the time. Some fucked up shit happens to black people. And then people give us these symbolic gestures, similar to the, the Democratic leaders on the floor taking a knee wearing kente cloths, oh. Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Or pa- even uh, pandering, the mayor... Pandering yeah. at its finest. Or, or, or even the mayor of New York, uh, Bill de Blasio, talking about he's going to name certain streets after Black Lives Matter. Like, these are just symbolic gestures. It's not... You're, you're not replacing any social policy. You're not doing anything about the problem. You're just doing these symbolic gestures. And I feel the same way about this Gone with the Window decision. I, it, frankly, I find it patronizing. And it's insulting as a black person, man, to think that, okay, that's how, how, that's how much you think of us. That's it. You're going to give us a bunch of symbolic gestures and think that everything's going to be gravy. I, I, I don't like it. And I mean, you know, the funny thing to me about this Gone with the Wind thing is, I wonder who the jerk-off was that sat back in the meeting and said, you know how we'll fight racial injustice? We'll remove <laughs> a 70-year-old movie from a streaming service. Yeah, that'll get them on our side. 
that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> That'll change everything. Well, and that well, and that also brings up another good point because there's you, you talk about um, there's a lot of other flicks and and films that are on that streaming service that are problematic uh, as well, like Looney Tunes. All the, the Dave, one of the first things you said when you popped on, or was it Dan? Well, and not even the Elmer Fudd rifle thing. That's just fucking stupid. But those 1940s cartoons and their depiction of Japanese people, for example, and the way that those cartoons were used as propaganda for pushing a white war effort in World War II. Like cartoons like that are, are well, out there and available. Why? Wasn't Walt Disney? Wasn't Walt Disney just huge, oh, hugely yeah. against the Jewish community? And, oh God, yeah. You know all that depict all that depiction that are in all those Disney cartoons Plus? are just yeah. horrible. You know, in that sense. Uh, and, and let me put this out there. I mean, Disney won't show. I mean, Song of the South is a problematic movie. Yeah, absolutely. But, That's an understatement. Yeah. But but you know, you look at this. Say, okay, are, are they depicting anything that that is that much worse than what's depicted in Gone with the Wind? Which is almost like trying to say. Hey, some of these slaves were kind of cool with this whole thing, you know, and, and, and that, that's that's kind of the problem well, with the movie. But um, right. I don't I mean, well, how many of those how many movies out there are, are like this? And, and that this isn't the only one where no, right. you, know, you have that kind of tone or, you know, there's all sorts of movies you could you could say anything about just because I'm Irish and they, you well, know, look whatever, at, um, they put Irish in a bad way. And it's it, like, is it am I gonna Ca- be offended Castle, by Castle that? Blank, Castle Blank is on there, too. Yeah. Um, in, in HBO Max. Different, different demographic of people, but again, same sort of deal. Like when you look at, you got Bogart, but then you've got like some pretty harsh depictions of Asians and, and just the, the thing that I found really interesting and I shared when we started this conversation, um, the first question that came up was, well, like this movie has slavery. Everybody knows slavery is bad. Why are we, it's not, but it wasn't so much that it's about slavery it was this idea of the the main character, you know, the 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 primary black character ha- played by, uh, and I'm going to mess up her name. It's Hattie Hattie Hattie, Je- Hattie McDaniel. Hattie McDaniel's. Yeah. Hattie, Hattie McDaniel. Yeah. Uh, who is you know this is she plays a house servant and she, she, is mammy. like happy. She's yeah, mammy. She's mammy. All, you, all you gotta do is say mammy. Everybody know what mammy is right. when you say it. Well, and here's the thing: is one of my favorite movies of all time, and this is where. You know why I think that there, there's this really interesting relationship that we have with these films, and and what I find very interesting is if that that sort of normalizing that idea that, like you said, Dave, slavery wasn't so bad. This person was happy. This was great. And there's a lot of films that are like that. Even if it wasn't depicting black people as slaves, one of my favorite holiday movies of all time is Irving Berlin's movie Holiday Inn. Stars Bing Crosby. Stars. Fred Astaire, and he has a Mamie character. Her name is Mamie. Um, I can't remember if it's if she's played by Hattie McDaniel, but the, the odds are strong because she was the black women actor of the time. That movie not only had that sort of character depiction, the movie the movie has musical routines done to different songs. And the Abraham Lincoln's birthday song is done with Bing Crosby and Blackface. And this was put on film in the 40s and is out there for folks to see. And it's easier for folks to see. And this is where it's kind of this idea of what is more insidious and less and, and less sort of blatant. Like you can look at that routine and be like, that's racist. That's horrible. We know that's racist. That's horrible. 
when it's that sort of that role that that isn't necessarily saying this person is is a slave or they're being treated poorly or whatever that idea of whether or not this was something that maybe wasn't so bad is really what where the argument came to perpetuate and we shared this new york times article that that's really what this author and it was a black woman and her name was um and angelica jade batista or no bastian she wrote this for the new york times and she talks about it's it's this it's almost like a romantic it's a romanticizing the cinematic monument to the confederacy and looking at that sort of idea as to as to whether you know it's problematic to to have this this film available i get what you're saying platt and i hear you and i and i i find it really interesting that this is the one like that's all we're going after if if you're really going to do it go all the way um and i and for dave and and for myself and, and for dp and when people question it like the first thing that i really wanted to do is look at why others find the movie problematic, which is where the whole, the article came from instead of, you know, kind of screaming from the rooftops that this is terrible. Find out why people might find it terrible or might find it problematic. Like that's not hard to do. And you know, from my perspective, I I don't fuck with gone gone with the wind for obvious reasons. Like it's literally set on a slave plantation, but at the same time, I don't want to get in into this world. I don't like where this world is heading, where we just ban art because we're uncomfortable about it. We just ban art. Right. You know what I mean? Like, or, or even I'm a big proponent of free speech. I don't have to agree with what you say, but I will fight to the death for your right to say it. I don't have to agree with it. And that doesn't mean that you're free of consequences, but you should be able to say what you say because it's a slippery slope, man. And if we start banning movies and films and whatnot, how far are, away are we from, you know, Ray Bradbury's uh, Fahrenheit 451? If we start banning all this stuff and the thing is art, it it serves as a time capsule for that particular period in time. Now, the problem comes in is that we fail our kids and we were failed ourselves in the educational system. We they don't teach us real history. So we have no context for what we're seeing on the screen. So, yeah, okay, some might be racist, some might be bad. That's fair. But you, if you start banning one thing, it's only a matter of time before they come for you. Oh, well, you know, chicken eaters of America are mad at, you know, Falkhorn Langhorn or whatever the case. But you understand what I'm saying. I'm trying to right, make right. the most ridiculous comparison that I possibly can oh, because it is a slippery slope. So I don't say necessarily ban the art. But the thing is, man, our education system fails us because we don't have proper historic context for what was going on. So we view it in a certain way. So instead of dealing with the root of the problem or the actual problem, we treat the symptoms as the problem. So it's like, okay, well, let's just get rid of this. That way we never have to have that uncomfortable conversation. But growth comes from being uncomfortable. We've got to have this conversation because if we don't, America is going to tear itself apart by the seams. It's come to this point, gentlemen, if we were keep refusing to have this conversation and stick our heads in the sand, this America thing is going to end up being something very different than how we know it right now. And eliminating art and eliminating movies and stuff like that, no, that doesn't do anything. That makes the problem worse because it doesn't open up and it doesn't allow for conversation. Does any of that make sense? Absolutely. Oh, it makes totally yeah. sense. Because and I was going to bring that up. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. 
No, I mean, it was just something that I'd said during the chat is just like when you start to go down the path of like slavery is bad, we can't have any tip, anything depicting it as anything but that. How far are we from where they try to really like, uh, you know, redact or clean up stuff about the Civil War? Like Platt's talking about you got to learn from history. Well, but they already but they already do that. Like, that's the thing that's really interesting. But that's, is, a, hey, but that's a mistake because, you know, Platt, absolutely. Platt's making a good point. You know, the country's heading in a if you start drawing comparisons to the Civil War, where things were then to where we are now, there are a lot of similarities that are all being well, kind of funneling through the same sort of thing. I mean, the Civil War wasn't all about slavery, but that was a major part really, of it. Um, basically about slavery. <laughs> and now now you're at the point where it's like. Hey, we got we can't have anything that uh, that talks about this because it's something that we're all embarrassed of. Well, great, you're embarrassed of it, but how do you learn from your mistakes if you're going to try and I use the word kosherize, uh, you know, clean it up and make it much more? Hey, we're well, going to put the best spin possible on this thing. Um, well, let me push back on that in a second, real real quick, because I don't think it's about kosherizing our history; it's about facing our history. And I would argue that what we've experienced, like. I I think back to when I was in grade school and I, you know, white kid, Midwestern Illinois, graduating class of 88 students, farming community, and my curriculum in history and what we were taught about World War II, what we were taught about the Civil War, what we were taught about the Civil Rights Movement. We're taught about very, very specific things that are palatable to, to white folk. And so we we already have kosherized our history. And this is the same thing with Phil. Like I had a I had a really, you know, that movie that I was talking about with my mom, I had a really tough talk with her, being like, I love this. This is messed up. And she's like, Oh, but it's such a great song. It's, it's a terrible song, uh, with a with a horrible thing. And we need to be able to face up to why this was bad. What we don't do right now is we is we don't look at our own sins in a way that it, that is very realistic to, to what, you know, what we've done. And, and so when I look at people getting all worked up over statues being torn down, for example, like those are statues that celebrate people who did terrible things. Like, why are we celebrating Christopher Columbus? That doesn't mean we erase Christopher Columbus and don't study him, but study him for who he is. Study him for what he did. And don't put a monument up to the motherfucker. Like, that's that's the thing. And it's and that's why I look at, like, movies when people, like, I've never, I've watched Django Unchained one time. I don't remember seeing that movie and being like, yup, that movie makes slavery look great. And that's, and that's where I think, like, where Platt's point about context is important. And that's why... I want to stress, HBO has said it's not going away forever. Now, whether or not they do something that's meaningful, that that I I can't speak to. They but won't. They'll, they'll, I highly doubt. No, I, I agree. They'll, they'll make some. Yeah. They'll make some is, sappy sources, justice warrior ass shit, you know, like a little right. 15, well, 20 minute documentary prior to the movie that really doesn't mean shit. It's like you said, it's just positioning, right? I mean, for a lot of these, it's just, hey, I'm on, I'm on your side. Look, we're going to try and do something, and this is what we decided to do because we have to do something, right, rather than just sit back and do nothing. And I, I, I really like that you guys all brought this up because this is kind of where I was going to go with it to ask Platt is, is where, where the extreme is to where you stop 
doing things or, or whatever. Cause, and then talking about the education. And I think that's the most important thing is it's a mo- it's movies. Movies can give you um, a bad sense of reality. They're inaccurate depictions. In a lot of cases, they try and say this is based on history, but it's, it's based on like, Hey, we saw, you know, a black guy get whipped once and we decided to make this movie. Like it can like, it's not like it cannot, doesn't necessarily have to be true. We need that education system to teach everybody the history of things and what happened. And I think, you know, Patrick brought it up a little bit, you know, like in certain places, your history teachers in school only teach you certain parts of history. They, you know, you don't get every piece of it. You don't get everything and you need to, you don't get your history from movies. Don't get your history from, you know, just the media or whatever, because there's all this wrong things that are out there. You know, you only get bits and pieces of good stuff, you know, kind of don't, yeah, you don't want to erase it from history. We want to learn from the history. We need to be taught all of the history and not just what you want to hear or, you know, what you want to push down because nobody needs to know about what's happening over here. Hey, look at this thing. You know, oh, it's all good. I'm making it good. Don't worry about that. You know, that's not right. It's not right. And we need to, everybody needs to understand what has happened in the world and just get your, get that knowledge. Don't learn it from these other things. You know, that education is the hundred percent, the most important thing to learn and read the history books and, and, have teachers teach you these things so you know, you know, so we can learn from the things that have happened in the past. And, guess, and read right? history books written by people that don't look like you. Um, yeah. Yes. Because, and, and I think well, that yes. like, because that's the community thing of the split where we learn certain things and exactly. other communities learn different things. It's like, that's not cool. You can't do that. Let me give you, let me give you two It'll good stay books separated to start forever. your journey. <laughs> two good books to start your journey. Number one, Lies My Teacher Told Me by James oh, Lowen. He, yep. he also has a, a really good one uh, about sundown towns, which still exist, BT Dub, but he, he has a good one about that, too. And uh, they came before Columbus by Ivan Van Sertima, and it talks about the African influence on this continent prior to Columbus, quote unquote, discovering the land. Those are two good places to start. Just I'm just throwing that out there. I love that you brought that first book up. It's one that's um, my wife was a like she's a history major history, like went to graduate school. And that's one of the first books. That she remember pulling out of graduate school and she still reads over and over and over again because it's it's very it it challenges you. And mm-hmm. I and I think that's the thing that's really important is that uh, I talked about this on the DeMarco show when uh, when we started talking about um, the protests that were happening across the country. And the thing that we can do, if 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 nothing else, is to make that effort to educate ourselves. Uh, and to make that e- effort to hear other voices, whether it's through media, whether it's, you know, through reading, um, whether it's um, through watching film, like, you know, you talk about, ge- we were talking about gestures earlier. I think one of the other gestures that we haven't talked about, um, how many streaming services have you logged on to, whether it be Amazon Prime or Netflix or whatever, that all of a sudden has all these movies. It's like, hey, check out these Black Lives Matters movies. <laughs> Um, Did you notice on, on on Amazon on the boys as well? Yep. They changed it to a train's image for like a week. And now it's back to Homelander again. Right. It was like, Hey, look, look, we care. Like, well, <laughs> and, and like, and, and like Amazon made and Amazon made all these like primarily, you know, movies primarily made by black directors and writers and producers made them all free 
Um, and I don't know if they're still free to view or free to rent or whatever. Uh, and that, and those are the funny, like, it's one of those things. It's as Platt pointed out, it's a, it's a hollow gesture. It's also one I don't think you should avoid taking advantage of. Uh, I think that you should explore some of those meaningful flicks. Like if you haven't watched uh, on Netflix, if you haven't watched the 13 documentary, go watch the 13 documentary. It's amazing. Um, yeah, cool. And how many and how many people Watch have gone the, uh, out with? What's the uh oh my god, what is it called? There's a really good documentary about James Baldwin, who was a writer. Who he was a writer and uh yeah, yeah. not not right. Obviously he was a writer, but I'm saying a writer, but I'm saying he right. was a writer. But yeah. uh what is it called? But it's really good. Oh, and it's I on I, I don't think it's on Netflix. It's on um I think it's on Prime though, if you have that. Oh yeah, god damn, I, 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 I got the Google machine really coming. Good. <laughs> is it a documentary or is it just no it's a yeah it's a documentary and they have you know stock footage of james uh oh my god what is it called james. but it's really good if you should go out your way to check it out oh i can't remember but yeah i'm i'm not here just you know to fill the dead air i'm not here i, I, I am not your negro that, that's is, it yes yeah it's that's on it. netflix yes, yes. That's it, it is on oh netflix, it is on netflix so. yeah okay yeah, check that one out because James Baldwin was, I mean, just an eloquent writer and speaker. Right. People people are quoting him out of context a lot too. It's really interesting. Uh, of course. It's and you know, thing. y'all have also uh, repurposed uh, Martin Luther King as well. Oh, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Y'all, well, you know, <laughs> y'all you know, he, just, he, just, he just held hands and wanted us all to be happy and peaceful. Didn't you know that? Like, <laughs> he, he, didn't get, he didn't get put in jail or nothing, uh, he, he didn't get beaten ever. Ever, he just sat and get kitchen counters and was quiet. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting, and that's the thing is it's a, that idea of making history palatable to white folks, um, and, and really being able to challenge yourself and to challenge that vision. And it's not just it's just not just black people. I think it's one of the things that's really interesting is we're paying attention to black people right now. Uh, but you know, I put over that documentary a couple weeks ago that was on the ESPN's Thirty for Thirty about uh, Bruce Lee. And about, you know, what he faced just trying to get an acting gig that wasn't a manservant that could do, you know, Kung Fu and what he had to do and the efforts he had to put out there. And, you know, it's the, he, you know, he, he, his desire to act and to change his vision was based on the depiction of Asian people in film. And the best example of, uh, of a terrible de- depiction is the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's where Mickey Rooney play, first of all, white Irish dude plays an Asian neighbor screen, like with, with like goofy makeup with the complete, with the teeth and the, the squint and just the horrible act. It's awful. And people are like, I love that movie. Audrey Hepburn looks great. Like that, like that's, that's what we got. And so, yeah, I don't, I, I th- the other thing that I think is really important for anybody that's listening to this, and, and I, I appreciate when folks are willing to share their experience, we should not expect them to share their experience. It is not their responsibility to educate us. Um, and that's not to say that you can't ask a question or, or to have those conversations and to have critical conversations. But it also requires some effort on, on our part as white folk to, to do the work. And, and to to teach her, you know, and to and to take the time and to hear what's being said to us, and then educate ourselves um, as much and, as we ask others to educate us. And you know, I have a 
a mixed relationship when it comes to media and entertainment and stuff like that. Like, right. again, let me let clarify, man. We don't start eliminating art. But the thing is, a lot of y'all, like, you you brought it up, Patrick. You went to school with 88 melon farmers, man. And I, I'm pretty sure none of them had any melanin in this system. Oh, you know oh, what I mean? Like, we, had, we had one. We, he was he was from the Philippines. Okay, that's fair. That, we, that's that was fair. our one. Nope, that's fair there and that's fair because they're basically the negroes of the asian population so that's fair that's <laughs> how that works <laughs> but no my issue with art with, with 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 art and media is that a lot of y'all don't grow up around black people you don't live around black people you might have that one black friend at work that you you know that you talk with and this and that but you don't really know black people and the only depiction that you get of black people is through the media and through entertainment and you know the the scope for blackness is so limited in that space you know what i mean so it it, it, it everything is stereotypical like i mean for example man a dude like me i'm black as fuck y'all know that and I don't hide it. And I don't hide talking about the issues. But at the same point in time, I'm also a nerd. I'm that guy that likes Wu-Tang Clan and Seinfeld. But if you listen to the media or if you watch movies or television shows, stuff like that, a guy like me doesn't even exist. That's that's about that inaccurate, inaccurate depictions that I, that I brought up earlier that you can't you can't go by everything that you see when it comes to movies or, or the media because it just doesn't tell you the stories and things like that it doesn't tell you the accurate stories you gotta you know you gotta understand that everybody you know like you said you're you're a nerd just like us you know yeah. there's there's not there's no difference who cares what color you are right i mean it, does, it shouldn't matter it should never matter yo i went to college man in you know but fuck ohio i went to college in both at bowling green state university it's right in uh, but fuck ohio yes yeah and I, I swear to God, man, my first year on my first semester on campus specifically, whenever I would meet white people, number one, there were white people that literally told me that this was their first ever interaction with a black person was meeting me. And uh, on the other thing, if I had a dollar for every time a white person asked me if I was here because I played, did I play football? Was I on the football team? Now, now, number one, I'm six two, buck seventy five. So if I played any sport, obviously basketball would be the obvious choice. But we ain't even going there. But, <laughs> but you know, if I had a dollar for every time a, a white person asked me, did I play football? I could have paid for my whole education and probably got my doctorate off of that. You know what I mean? But just because their frame of reference was so narrow because they hadn't interacted with black people and all they had was what they saw through the media, through television, through movies and this and that. You know what I mean? And that's really where the fear comes in because y'all don't really have to interact with us every day. We got to interact with y'all because we can't make a dollar without y'all. I mean, it is what it is. I'm not trying to, I'm not going all the way down that rabbit hole, but y'all understand what I'm saying. So we have to understand your world and your culture because we have to navigate it. But, you know, it doesn't go the other way. And that's where a lot of that fear and that's in fear ultimately leads to hatred because it's the unknown. Does that make sense? This is in no way, no, in no way trying to compare myself to that. Um, I had in some way a similar kind of experience. I guess that was kind of just odd in the fact that, you know, I have, I've never cared about racism. I've never been, you know, hated any kind of black people or anything like that. I was raised to, you well, know, everybody you, was the same. So, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise there wouldn't be podcast with you ever. <laughs> How could you? We're beard brothers. 
would be a brace. <laughs> That's right, brother. Uh, but like I went to a Catholic grade school, you know, it was nothing but church. We had, you know, it was all white people, you know, in your standard, you know, polo and, and, you know, jeans that denim jeans. And, you know, it was the same outfit every day. It was the same, you know, all white kids, you know, type of thing. And, you know, I was always a, a good basketball player, you know, and, and things like that. But everywhere we played, it was always against white kids. It was always, you know, every every year it was always just white people. And then my family finally put me into the middle school, um, which was the public school where everybody was going to. And basically the entire basketball team was black. You know, we had a couple white kids, but basically it was all black people. And here comes me one year into it because I didn't start in fifth grade. I started in, or I didn't start in sixth grade. I started in seventh grade. So everybody already knew everybody in sixth grade. I'm coming in and I want to play some basketball. And here I coming in. And all these black guys are like, who's this fucking white dude? And I was tiny little kid, you know, super skinny, you know, but like, I, I didn't care, you know, and it, it, to me, it didn't seem like they cared really that I was white or anything like that. And I didn't care. I just wanted to play some basketball with some cool dudes. You know, that's, that's all I cared about. And like getting to play with them. And then all of a sudden just them going, wow, this, this kid can fucking play some basketball, you know, and we, you know, bonded over that for the most part, but it was, it was one of those just weird feelings of change where, you know, you're used to this group and now all of a sudden it's totally different, but you know, you find this playing field that you all enjoy and it doesn't matter, you know, what color you are or whatever. You just have fun playing together as, as, as kids and boys and just bonding over something that you guys have in common. And it was, it was just really cool. It was just an odd thing. Cause I walked in all, you know, you know, nervous and scared, you know, but cause I didn't know anybody, but like instant friends once, you know, we bonded over things we love. And like my, my experience is a lot different. Like, uh, cause Platt knows where I grew up. I grew up in the suburbs of Washington, DC, uh, and DC's not Chocolate a, DC is not a white city and neither are the suburbs and, and that sort of thing. And, and when you're talking about Virginia, Northern Virginia, which is still, let's be honest, it's still Virginia. There's a lot of, a lot of racism going on there, but, but then there's a lot of acceptance. So you had all this kind of stuff co-mingling with each other and, 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 you know, I had lots of black friends. I was around black people all the time. Anytime you, I went into D.C., you know, I mean, you, you yeah, you everybody's interacting with each other. And there's a lot of conflicting things going on. But uh, but, yeah, I, I guess I just had a day and, you know, and here I am Jewish, you know, surrounded by a bunch of Christians and stuff like that. So I was like, fuck, I'm as as oppressed as anybody is here, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, but it, yeah, Washington was an interesting place just because of uh, the dynamics of everything going on there. And uh, I mean, Platt, you've been to D.C., I'm sure. So, yeah, Chocolate City, like you said, and that sort of thing. But, uh, it, yeah, like like you guys are saying, it, it, it comes down to it's got to be more than lip service. People have got to actually, you know, make a conscious effort to try and change things and not just hey, let's uh let's pull gone with the wind off for a while. And that'll that'll make everything right in the world. It's like, well going to take a little bit more than that guys that sort of thing so are we going to stop are we going to get rid of uh, are we going to get rid of the jerk because steve martin says i was born a poor black man <laughs> he, he was and he was literally born a poor black man in that movie man that's right <laughs> but well, because of that line, no, you know? I, I didn't mean to I, I didn't mean to cut you off, uh, Dan and, and Patrick. I apologize. But just real quick, man, Dave, I, I don't even know if we've ever talked about this, but from ages 9 till 16, I, I was actually living in Woodbridge, Virginia. Yeah. And, you know, just talking about that that DMV area, it, it is very interesting because we all got along well. 
you know, my, my school was a melting pot. You know what I mean? We had black people, we had white people, Asians, uh, Latinos, and everybody got along and it was all good. Yeah. But then on the flip side of it, we took field trips to Stonewall Jackson's grave and Robert E. Lee's grave and shit like that. Like, it's just, it's a weird dichotomy, but I feel like that we did, for the most part, we get, we got along pretty well, well, you know? Yeah, and like you may raise a good point, the high school I went to was named Jeb Stewart, you know, and a Jeb Stewart's a Confederate general, <laughs> and they just yeah. changed the name of the school to Justice, you know, which a lot of us who went to the school, you're conflicted because it's like you associate the name of the school I don't look at it as as a monument to a Confederate general, just the name of the school. It's like, well, I went to I went to Stewart, you know, that sort of thing. But I understand why they changed the name. But, yeah, if you're in the DMV area, there's a shit ton of Confederate, you know, monuments Mm -hmm. and and mementos to that whole that whole era. You know, they got the Robert E. Lee mausoleum at the Arlington National Cemetery, half the cemeteries, people who died in the Civil War, that sort of thing. It's a Stonewall Jackson Highway. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, <laughs> stuff it, like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and that's and that's where, you know, kind of to wrap it back, canceling history isn't the answer. Memorializing and celebrating that that piece of history, that five year period where half the country was like, no, uh, and we we want to own people, and so we're going to go to war over it. Like that's that's questionable and tough. You know, does that mean you get rid of Robert E. Lee's grave? No, of course not. Like that that's not that's not what we're going with at all. I but think the Mellow Farmer don't need a statue. That's where no, you know, like I, I I'm cool with taking these statues down because you go oh, to yeah, Germany, cool. man. They don't have statues of Hitler and Mengele no. and shit like that. Like no, we should teach real history. Right. Let's just teach real history. I understand well, that history is his story and it's written right. by the winners. But perhaps if we taught actual history and, and, and educated people and trained people to actually be intelligent, thinking, critical thinking human right. beings, we wouldn't have to do all of that. But at the same point in time, if you raise a bunch of intelligent, thinking, critical thinking human beings, well, then how can I govern you? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and I think, and I think that's the other thing is we're, you know – as we look at where we are as a country, if this really does become a legitimate movement, which, you know, I, you know, I have my doubts there that, that does change the way that we have, that we look at how our country has been run. Uh, and whether that's this idea of, you know, the police force and how the police force is worked and run in here. And that's a whole other avenue that I don't know that I necessarily want to walk down in turn. Like, I just don't think we have enough time on the show. Uh, Platt promises 20 minutes and you've given us 40. So thanks uh, for that already. I appreciate that. But, um, you know, it's really, it really is about taking a look at ourselves and our own implicit biases, recognizing that we all have implicit biases, that it is going to take being a critical thinking human being that that can make a, a sound decision that that's going to change how our our government works because right now our government i it do, it's not working like i don't i don't think you can say that it's working it's, it's working work, for it's working for certain people um it's but it, working it's, exactly how it was designed to work exactly I, I don't no. think I can expound on that that's no I, I don't think there's any right i don't there. think there's like, any argument yeah, at all <laughs> Oh, and I think just agreeing, you know, with the with the whole education and things and, and 
being careful when you talk about, you know, the government's, you know, thing and, and the media is just make sure you're, you're, you're searching around and not just taking one. Cause you know, obviously certain channels have their own agendas, especially when it comes to, you know, politics oh, and things like no. that. And it's Come on, whole... Dan. No. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm watching the wrong, with... I'm watching the wrong channels. Yeah. You got to start with recognizing that the news so, now is, is not the news. Like the news so does not to be careful. It news, really does. The like, news, news are just is, opinion news pieces. Is not news. Just opinion it's, pieces. It is. It's all when you well, the news it's is like commentary. the clickbait. <laughs> right. They just want I you mean, to turn tune in. There, there's a story circulating right now about falsified photos that were put up on Fox News's website, you know, depicting that area of Seattle that that um, you know, photoshopped people with rifles to make it look like it was worse than it was or making stuff look like things are burning. MSNBC is just as bad as Fox news. Uh, Cause ain't nobody right. And, and there's do we don't, we don't just have reporting anymore. And, and that's, and that's part of the, I mean, that's a big part of the problem is that we, we excel at misinformation. We excel at pushing the narrative that works for keeping a select group of folk in power. You know, you look at, um, there's a, there's a fame, there's a popular meme going on, um, that I've, that I've shared more than once just about the idea of protest. Um, that was like, well, don't protest while you kneel the flag. Don't protest by wearing a shirt. Don't protest, you know, all these different ways. And then, you know, taking that narrative and being like, well, the only way that they know how to protest is to be violent and break shit and cause riots. It's like, what else are these folks supposed to do? If you tell them that there's no way to protest, you know, you've got a, you've got a, a house of representative guy trying to punish soccer players for, for, you know, making it illegal to kneel during the anthem as a form of peaceful protest. What the fuck is that? That's that's counter against the basic contract of what's been written here, and it's done for a very specific reason. Uh, and yet, there's a plethora of folks that are pushing that as this wholesome, righteous thing to do, and and and, and people swallow it. We and have so, rules. We have rules on how you can do the First Amendment. Well, rules, we do. Johnny. It's, it's beyond that. How sad is that? Yeah. You have inalienable but, rights, you know. It is freedom of expression. I'm pretty sure that's in the Constitution somewhere. I know I don't practice Constitution. But, but, yeah, but freedom you know. of expression for who? And I think that's the like that's the real thing here is freedom of expression for who? Because as as we you know have taken this conversation way away from movies, you know, you look at you know if white people are pissed about not not going to get a haircut, they can storm a Capitol building with guns, and that's okay. But a a man of color, a black man can be strangled on the street for eight minutes and 46 seconds. And, and you're just supposed to be okay with it. Like we're supposed like, you're supposed to peacefully protest that like, and, and that's systemic for 400 plus years that, you know, the colonies have existed. Like that's the, it's the narrative is very, as, as you mentioned, Platt, the, the narrative is very designed for a specific group of people. And it's working perfectly. And my thing is, man, and this is one of the reasons why I even got into podcasting to begin with, because it it, it initially came from a sporting perspective. But I saw how the media operates and how they work. The media is there to frame the narrative, period. They frame the narrative. 
So, you know, just for example, man, and I, I you know, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but I'm just proving showing this as an example, the whole Colin Kaepernick thing. When right. he first took the knee, he was very, you know, succinct and he was very articulate in proving his point as to why he was kneeling. But what did the media do? They shifted the narrative and the reason that he was kneeling in the first place, and they shifted it to, well, okay, well, is he disrespecting the troops? And then one side, no, he's not disrespecting the troops and all this and that. And it totally shifted the narrative of what he was even trying to say initially. And I, I don't want to go down there because I've got my issues with Colin Kaepernick, but I'm, I'm not going to discuss <laughs> that with three white guys on the line. No disrespect. Right. But, <laughs> but, you, you, but you understand what I'm saying? Like, the media frames the narrative, and depending on which side of the aisle that you lie on you're going to get your news from that aisle but they totally distort and frame the narrative and the thing is we can't have an honest dialogue about race in this country because if we actually had an open and honest dialogue the concept of america what you think that america is if we pulled on that thread it would literally destroy the entire fabric and the media knows this. So that's how that's why they shift the narrative always. They always shift the narrative. And this shit, politics is pro wrestling. It is. They they get on TV and they cut their promos. And then at the end of the day, they're at the bar together drinking and banging the same hookers. Like, yeah, and we, we're number <laughs> one. Perfect example. And I'm going to leave it on this, man. Perfect example. Fox News. Everybody knows Fox News. They've been spitting anti-black rhetoric for years. They've made a good living doing it. But what people don't know, and you can research this for yourself, Fox News' parent company is a company called News Corp. And it's a it's a Saudi company. It's it's owned by the Saudi Arabians. So for the eight years that Obama was in office, Fox did everything and called that man everything other than a child of God. But if you do the research, you'll find that News Corp which is the parent company of Fox, they donated more money to the Obama campaign than any other registered Republican on file. And you can look that up. I'm not just throwing shit out my ass. You can look that up. So what that tells you or what that should tell you that it's all a game and we're all being played. Because, see, they can't have us come together because we're, you know, there's strength in numbers. They can't have us come together. And quite frankly, you, white guys, Y'all been lied to more than we were. See, because they they made y'all think y'all was part of the crew. They made y'all think y'all were down. You know, I mean, we were never under any assertions, but they made y'all think y'all were down. And the rise of Trump, what that should tell you is that there he spoke to a base that felt disenfranchised, that felt that their voice wasn't heard, that felt that they were lied to. Similar to Obama, as a matter of fact. He's basically Obama's doppelganger. Let's just keep it a buck. But the problem is... There's always a boogeyman in place for you to point your, your rifles at. Whereas it was the black man. Then it was uh, the Hispanics. Now it's the illegals or the LGBTQ. Like there's always a boogeyman in place for you to point your rifles at. So you don't point your rifles at the right people. Because quite frankly, the power elite, they look at y'all how they look at us. First off, I just want to say, Platt, I thought you got into podcasting for the women. That was the first thing I thought. <laughs> but no, you raised. Well, hey, well, well, wait, before. Before I got into podcast, man, I was single, man. So I got way more pussy single than I do all as right. you know in a relationship. All I'm right, I guess I was I was mistaken <laughs> plus about plus that. Plus, you're on this podcast. Yeah, so we all know what yeah. happens when you join. <laughs> but no, I mean, Platt made a great point. United we stand, divided we fall, and they're pushing divisiveness. While they're preaching uni- unity, they're actually pushing divisiveness, and that's 
that's where we're being gamed. I agree with Platt completely. We're being played. It's the spicy meatball. It's the spicy meatball here. Hey, take a look at this. Look at that. It's pretty cool, right? Don't worry about what's going on over here. Yeah. Check this yeah. one out. Yeah. Yeah. Pay no attention to the men. Let's guide you. Yeah. So, all right. Well, it's all thank the you Wizard of Oz. All of on, it. Flag. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, I, I really do appreciate you taking some time and talking to us, um, and I'm just thrilled with the way this conversation went, starting from something as simple as HBO trying to win some PR points. So, um, I got to say this right now, though, with Pod on vacation next week, Platt, you got to come on the show to talk Blazing Saddles with us. Where the white women at? <laughs> well, and we didn't even talk about. And that's a funny thing is we didn't even get into satire. We didn't even get into, you know, like these this idea of comedy really, you know, taking an ex, a magnifying glass in the country as it is, and that that's one of the genius things about Mel Brooks, in my opinion, and so many other great comedians out there that challenge a narrative by exposing you to it. And yeah, it's funny, but like one of my favorite skits of all time on Saturday Night Live was Eddie Murphy's Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. Yes, because that's that's funny, but it's true. Like when you really look at it, what he's trying to do and what he's trying to tell you, like that's that's a real thing. You know, Blazing Saddles, looking at this idea of a black man as a, as a sheriff, and, and yeah, they tell jokes. But it's expo- you know, it's it's exposing a reality. What it does, and this is what's unfortunate, is what it does is it, again, we talk about things that are palatable to white people. It was palatable to laugh and be like, ha, that's real. And then you could forget about it. And that's where the education piece comes back in. Is it's not about just laughing along and, and forgetting about it. It's like, why is this funny? Like what what are we really exposing? What are we paying attention to? And, you know, I guess if there's one thing that I'd like to walk away from this is that we just we keep challenging ourselves to to get that context and to do right um, by ourselves and do right by this country and by the people we know and that we love and that we understand why why this stuff is important. Then we understand where it comes from, like that, you know, take some time. That's that's all you can ask anybody. So Well, well said. Uh, you know, I was a teacher once. Uh, anyway, that's this last week. No, I, true story. I, Wait, I, you didn't I just sleep a holiday in last night? Oh, okay. I did not just sleep a holiday in last <laughs> night. That's next week when I'm on vacation. Ah. Um. Anyway, I think that's going to do it for this week's show. Um, for the nine thousandth time, you know, thank you to our guest Christopher Platt for jumping on the show and talking to us for a good hour. Um, like I said, he promised us twenty minutes and he gave us fifty. So. Thank you very much. Tell everybody where they can find you, follow you, and listen to you uh, when you're not guessing on Bandwagon Nerds. Well, first and foremost, thanks for having me, gentlemen. I, I had a really good time. I love all you guys. I, I, I don't get to see you guys as much anymore, so it's good to hop on here and see everybody. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at the Real C Plaid. I'm on Pot is War on the Chair Shot. It debuts every Thursday. It's basically Pardon the Interruption meets First Take with the volume turned up to like 25. It's myself, Andrew Belaz, and PC Tunney. I'm also on uh, Around the Blocks with Mike Knox, and I promise we're going to get some some shows up on the Chair Shot. And also, holler at me on um, 
three-man weave on the chair shot as well. We're going to record this a little bit later, and it is going to be up on Monday. It's a sports pod on the chair shot. But more importantly than all that, make sure you all go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and pick up an official chair shot t-shirt. Again, if you appreciate and enjoy the content that we provide here at the chair shot day in and day out, the best way to make sure that we keep providing that content is to show us some love. By picking up a t-shirt at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot. Remember, The Chair Shot, it's not just a website, it's a movement. Real quick question for you. You guys going to cover the, the 30 for 30 that's playing tonight? About the home What's run race? The, oh, what? So Scott Scott McGuire McGuire? And Sosa. Yeah. Oh, we're probably we'll probably get to it next week because we're recording this evening. So yeah, we'll get to it next week because that's I, that's I fascinating. I cannot watch. To, I cannot wait to watch that. Um, that I remember where I was when McGuire hit the home run that broke it, and I remember where I was when he and Sammy wrapped up. So the best and worst of baseball, right there. We're going to uh, talk about how uh, Sammy Sosa turned into a bottle of Pepto-Bismol as well. Hey, so there's that. Th- here's the, the thing that's really interesting <laughs> about this. I'm going to put this over. I'm sorry before we get into the wrap. This is one of the first real interviews that Sammy Sosa's done um, in a long time since a lot of the steroid stuff came. And, you know, and he made that appearance in, in front of the whatever grand jury it was. So I'm really interested to hear what he has to say uh, and how that interview goes. So. Yes, check out all of those great podcasts. Um, listen to that sweet, silky, smooth voice of Christopher Platt. David Ungar, where can they send the hate tweets? Uh, to <laughs> at the Big Rick 62. That's where you can send the hate <laughs> tweets. Uh, but otherwise, or you can Bob. send them to at Attitude Ag, that is at Attitude AGG, or uh, just Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. I got a lot of people liking the Facebook page lately, and I have no idea why. So I'm like, all right, what? I don't know what's going on, but I'm just going to roll with this thing. All right, DP. Well, you can find me on the DWI podcast every week. That drops on Saturdays, and you can follow that at Podcast DWI on the Twitter and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash DWI podcast. And our brand new podcast called The Winner Is You that will drop on Fridays. That is myself as the host with a uh, a group of new podcasters and Sean, Adam, and Drew. That is going to be at It's Me DPP. I'll be posting that on Twitter as well as a Facebook page at facebook.com slash a winner is you, the letter U. A winner is you. Go check it out. And you can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can hear me every Tuesday uh, with the Bandwagon Nerds podcast. You can also catch me on Wednesday with Chair Shot Radio. That's with Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales. Be sure to give a read to the Nerd Review. We're reviewing 300 this week. It should be up by the time this podcast drops. Next week's movie is, uh, as you've heard, Blazing Saddles. And we're going to keep with the Mel Brooks polls um, as we're going to add a Mel Brooks movie to the three that didn't make the cut. Um, Great show, fellas. Thank you again uh, so much for for all the listening. Oh, I forgot. Uh, Follow us uh, on the Twitter of the show, at Bandwagon Nerds as well. That's where you can vote on the poll for next week's Nerd Review. Uh, With that, uh, we're going to play you all out with a little bit of a snippet from DP's new podcast. That's right. We're going to give you a little bit of a winner as you. Thank you so much for listening. Now, climb out of the basement. Get some sun play some video games, read a book. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds 
on the Chairshot Radio Network. <laughs> I need the game to guide me along. I don't want to actually play. It's like watching right. a movie. <laughs> the, the, it came as paper maps in the box. You'd have a paper max, or you'd have to do Nintendo Power uh, Magazine, and you'd get tips and tricks from that. Like that's all you had. That. There's no internet. You, what are you gonna do? <laughs> that was it. That the I remember the the NES that I got for Christmas came with that like uh, whatever I forget what the book was called, but it was a book that was like 300 pages that had all those different games and it had one on Zelda of the map and would point you to kind of where the levels were and things like that. And that was, that was it. Otherwise you had an, yeah, Nintendo power to help you. Didn't they have like a, a hotline you could call. <laughs> they did. Might have been. That's amazing. They used to have a, they used to have a hotline when Nintendo had, had people on there that you could call them up and ask them how to get through certain levels. Yeah. I never I did that. That was a thing. Never, we, Someone we, got paid for that. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> That's unfair. <laughs> to basically look through, yeah, they would play the game and know how to get through it. That's fun. That's awesome. We never had the money to do that. At least it wasn't allowed. <laughs> that was a long-distance phone call, Dan. It was. Don't get those 800 numbers, you know. It's 99 oh, cents for the first minute, five minute, $5 for each additional minute. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think those are the 900, the one 900 ones. You're, you're yeah. calling a different phone oh. number. Oh, oh. <laughs> No wonder I didn't really get, uh, I mean, I got guidance, but not in the way I wanted, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody know where that one's from? That was really good. It sounded like I a like fart that. at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Here, we'll play a little bit longer. any of the Koopas yeah, in Super Mario, Mario World. I'm trying to remember if it was in Super Mario World, right? It is. So it's just that, yeah. So find any of the Koopas. Was, yeah. I was trying to remember which one it was. It's where when you play it, I know it's Mario, but which Mario? I know. That is Mario World. the Marios. <laughs> That's from the Mario. It's from the Marios. Right? The Mario? Mario, yeah, Mario, Mario. Oh yeah, the Mario, don't you know? Don't you know the Mario? That's what you guys sound like to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk a little PS5. Uh, the SSD is a huge uh, game changer for consoles in general. Um, you know, I, the PC world has had them for a long time, and it's just nice to see that those are finally coming to consoles. The spinning disk drives are out. So uh, much quieter. Yeah, yeah. It's so much. It's so much mm-hmm. faster. So much quieter. Uh, you know, it's cooler. And at the end of the day, um, it's interesting that PlayStation or Sony went with a, a slightly smaller one, a twenty-five. I think from what I've read, it seems like it's kind of a proprietary size or something that they've done uh, to end up with a twenty-five versus a one terabyte that's going to be in the Xbox. Um, you know, I think that's going to be. You know, it could be to their detriment, but you know, at the same time. I guarantee you there's going to be plenty of add-on cards and additional drives that you're going to be able to buy for this thing. Right. Hell, I guarantee you're going to be able – you might even be able to just plug in an off-the-shelf uh, you know, external drive. Who knows? Well, how, uh, how fast well, is that going to Going Sony up? and Microsoft, maybe not. But <laughs> Yeah, you got um, yeah, exclusive ones. <laughs> so I think from, you know, from a processor standpoint, between these two at least, you know, they look pretty similar. Uh, you know, 3.5 gigahertz versus 3.8. Uh, they're both the same generation AMD, uh, you know, processors. 
I have heard that they're doing some unique things with thermals between uh, the Xbox and the PlayStation. I think this is accurate, uh, that the Xbox is actually going with a standard clock speed. They're not going to have any turbo uh, on their clock, and they're just going to say, it's just, it is what it is, 3.8 gigahertz, done. Um, Whereas the PlayStation will actually be able to turbo up. Uh, and kind of make use of some extra fans, you know, spin some fans up, make use of their extra thermal overhead. Uh, so you might see some better performance, but you also might get more fan noise. So it's interesting to hear the kind of differences that they're going with uh, between uh, the two companies there. Uh, which one's going to be better? It's really going to come down to when we see it and when it comes out. I mean, I think anytime you're talking consoles, it really comes down to exclusives, right? I think from a specs perspective, they are very similar you know, there's not. I don't think there's going to be a ton difference between the specs. They're both coming out at the same time. They're going to have the same hardware, so it's going to come down to exclusives, and that's the important. Madman, for a madman. Earth and water. Well, you'll find plenty of both down there. No man, Persian or Greek, no man threatens a messenger. You bring the crowns and heads of conquered kings to my city steps. You insult my queen. You threaten my people with slavery and death. Oh, I've chosen my words carefully, Persian. Perhaps you should have done the same. This is blasphemy. This is madness. This is Sparta! Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.